Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of the 615 Sessions podcast. Hope you're having a great Friday. So far, happy to have you guys in for another episode. I'm your host, Buck Rising. We do this Titans Media Roundtable in the A to Z Sports feed each and every Friday. This week, we have John Burton and Steve Lehman, both of the venerable News Channel 5. But before we get to that conversation, got to tell you about the people who make this podcast possible. That's our friends at Two Rivers Ford. So, not only can you get one of the state's largest selections of quality American-made Ford vehicles. Not only can you custom order your new Ford, your next Ford, at Two Rivers Ford the way that I did, but if a new car isn't necessarily what makes the most sense for you right now, Two Rivers Ford has certified pre-owned vehicles of all shapes, models, makes, colors, and sizes for you. Two Rivers Ford has certified Blue Advantage Ford vehicles that come with guarantees as far as what you will be getting out of this vehicle and the assurance that you are buying your pre-owned vehicle, your certified pre-owned vehicle, from a place that operates with honesty and integrity. It's a critical part of the car buying process, and it's not something that you can take advantage or take for granted as opposed to take advantage of, which is exactly what you should do at Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Welcome back to another 615 Sessions podcast. Now, this is a first. We're actually getting two co-workers to work together additionally on the podcast for the first time. We have John Burton and Steve Lehman, both of the venerable News Channel 5. I'm so sorry to have to pair you guys together. I'm certain that you're sick of it by this point. Hey, hey, you didn't tell me this was the deal. You just invited me on, and now I got to work with JB for a six-day this week? Man, I tell hey, you. how do you think I feel, man? I, I, I've had to put up with this guy for 10 years and now I got to do it on a podcast. I mean, it's been it's been a decade of decadence with uh, with Steve Levin. No, that's my guy, man. Best best in the biz right there. So happy to be uh, on with both you guys. That's a, it's a Maybe. decade. Go ahead, Steve. Well, John, did you just get out of the gym? You're like glowing. Uh, we already are used to the gun show, but uh, you I, know what uh, it is? Steve, you know what it is? It's uh, I got a case of the Jarrell Casey shower sweats. Remember when Jarrell would get out of the oh. shower? <laughs> yes. I just got out of the gym. I just got out of the shower, and so I got the I got the Jarrell Casey shower sweats going. Give the man a towel. Yeah, that <laughs> is that is uh, nobody nobody sweated more at the podium though than Marcus Mariota. Like perpetually, Marcus Mariota, a perpetual shower sweater post game in ways that look deeply uncomfortable. Now, I thought that was just like a big man problem. Like, I thought that was just me just because, you know, there's a lot of weight I'm carrying around. I get, you know, it's I get overheated when I'm walking upstairs at this point or, you know, apparently when I'm attempting to work out, as our buddy Austin Huff was so kind to point out in that cork fats <laughs> monstrosity, just absolutely lighting me on fire. Um, but we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about OTAs, Titans on the practice field. 
Um, but I mean, it's as good a place to start as any, given that we're talking about conditioning. We finally heard from Traylon Burks, the mystery man himself, uh, for the first time since he got drafted. Now there was precious little that we learned Steve, but, um, other than he wanted to defer his inhaler questions to Mike Vrabel, which I'm sure is going to be super forthcoming about all of these things. Yeah. And, and Mike Vrabel wanted to defer that answer to never. We're not going to get that from him, and apparently we're not going to get it from Traylon Burks either. I'm struggling with this one. I I don't think this matters a whole lot. The only thing that matters is that he's in shape and ready to go come the season. But given the history of the draft class, given the struggles at wide receiver, given the loss of A.J. Brown, Traylon Burks has to be a real factor for this team. And I don't know if we've had any real encouraging signs through two and a half weeks that that's going to happen in the way they need it to happen. Now, on the flip side, the guy who's incredibly encouraging is Robert Woods. The fact that he's out there six months after tearing his ACL and going through routes and all that, albeit not at 100 percent. But at the moment, if you have asked me a month ago, I said, "Okay, Traylon Burks has a lot to live up to, but I love the talent set and all that. And he's going to be the guy that maybe has to carry the load at the beginning while Robert Woods works his way back into form off the injury. I think I've flipped in the last month there, guys, in that now I think Robert Woods looks like a guy who's going to be ready to go week one to put up Robert Woods types numbers. And I don't know how soon Traylon Burks is going to be a real factor with this offense. Sure. And I guess that's the thing that worries me, JB, is, you know, now because then that dependency shifts to a guy who's coming back off an ACL. And we know how hard that is, even as ACLs are routine. We saw two of their best players in Bud Dupree and Taylor Lewan have to do uh, a similar thing and not necessarily handle it uh, as well. Now we're talking about three different positions between a left tackle, a wide receiver and an outside linebacker. Um, So maybe there are things that would make it easier and everybody is physically different as far as the recovery is concerned, but that's putting a whole lot of eggs in the basket of yet another injured player in ways that I think, you know, Titans fans like to make jokes about on the internet, but it does seem more real every day. I don't know, guys. I keep hearing, you know, that, oh, this is no big deal. This is no big deal. To me, it is a big deal that your first round draft pick, the guy you moved up to draft two seconds after you traded to AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles it's a story that he, he was able to get through a practice uh, yesterday. Yeah, I got major concerns about that. And you, you look at the fact that your top two receivers, as Steve mentioned, you know, Woods coming off major you know, knee surgery, looks good, looks like he'll be ready to go opening day. Heck, he might be ready to go opening day at training camp, knock on wood. But you've got a guy coming off major surgery and another guy who, listen, I think he's going to – I think he has potential to be a really good football player, but – He's having trouble making it through the practice. We don't know what's going on with the inhaler. Here's the problem with this. You know, we're not being told straight up what the problem is. And that's fine if they want to do that. But then that leaves guys like us to speculate what's going on with Traylon Burks. And if you're Vrabel, you can't get mad at us for speculating what's going on when you won't tell us what's going on. Does that make sense? So, you know, I keep keep hearing not a big deal, not a big deal. Teresa Walker basically – our colleague from the Associated Press basically scolded me on the sidelines yesterday saying it's not a big deal. It's only June. What are you talking about? Blah, this, that, and the third. And I respect Teresa to the fullest. But to me, yeah, it is a big deal right now. Now, there's plenty of time to turn things around. I have, what, what, eight weeks away from the start of training camp? 
but I've said it before. I've said it to both of you before, and I maintain this. It's not a good look. No, and guys, uh, the other thing is there's a little bit of history here. I think it was Albert Breer the other day who reported that there were a few other teams that viewed his conditioning before the draft as a red flag. And so there were other teams out there doing their due diligence that were scared away from Traylon Burks, apparently because of this exact issue. And the Titans go ahead and not just pick him, but trade up and get him in that regard of the whole thing on the heels of what they've done in some of their other draft picks of the past, where the question was, did the Titans do enough due diligence with an Isaiah Wilson or and this may be unfair, but Caleb Farley and his injury history last year, or Dylan Radins as a second round pick coming from the FCS, trying to be a starter on the offensive line. I think there's real concerns if you're a Titans fan that the Titans maybe don't do enough due diligence. They just fall in love with a guy or a player or a skill set or something like that, and they just draft. And then they find out about some of these things later. And if that somehow happened again, and this isn't something that Traylon Burks just works his way through, but becomes a perpetual issue this season or beyond, then I think you have some real concerns and complaints about the draft process of the Titans. Yeah, you know, because when we were talking uh, to Traylon or when Traylon was talking to the media I guess that would have been yesterday, Wednesday, as we're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. The The thing that kind of popped into my head was his introductory press conference when they flew him in on Friday, the draft with Rabel and Robinson. And he had brought up unprompted the idea that his initial interview with them did not go well, right? Did not go well, but he came back around and said, hey, you know, I, or whenever, at whatever point later he reached out back to them and said, hey, I know this didn't go necessarily the way that I wanted it to or the way that it could have gone better. Um, you know, if there's another opportunity for us to kind of try and uh, have a second first impression, that'd be swell. Now, that's not a physical conditioning thing. That's one of those like 18-minute combine interview, you know, Hey, can I sit this kid down and throw some high heat at him while we watch some bad snaps? And how does he handle it type of thing? It's two different settings, um, but it it is curious. And these are these are things that we can only be curious about because we're never really going to get what the process looks like on the inside of these. We're not we don't have Peter King access and sure as hell Mike Vrabel's not going to be the one to give us that kind of access to let, you know, Peter King sit in a draft room with them while they go through their process. Um it's, it's all, it's all really, it's, it's, you know, it's basically a day by day process, but you know, to your point, JB, and, and just to kind of put a bow on it, I think it wouldn't have been a story if it was just like a day, like just the inhaler day. But then when you come back and for the first day of OTAs last week, it's an issue again, when you come back this week, when there's only one day a week that's available to us and he's in and out, he's still not doing everything that the rest of the rookies and veterans out on the field during this uh, period of time, during this phase three are doing, that's when it becomes uh, bad optics. Yes. How big of a concern we can't really say because we have no, we really don't have any indication of where the actual issue uh, could lie. There could be a completely reasonable explanation for it. And because they're overprotective with these things, because they think it's in the best interest of the players, this is the way that they're going to conduct themselves. Now, I thought that Todd Downing, for his part, was um, pretty tra transparent. We talked to both the coordinators, Shane Bowen and Todd Downing, 
on Wednesday morning. And I thought when John Glennon asked him about starting faster in games, I didn't realize how slow they were in games and first quarters, particularly where they're scoring 3.4 points per first quarter. And that's nearly cut in half from what they were doing in 2020 to get out on top of opponents and then play towards a better style. I thought that Todd Downing was fairly transparent about that. And I think he has to be because they brought in Tim Kelly to kind of, you know, provide some extra eyes and ears on these things, Steve, and give the Titans a better opportunity to evolve that offense into a modern age passing game. Yeah, uh, no question about it. We're actually running a story on Tim Kelly tonight and what that's supposed to be. He was brought in to make this offense a top half of the league offense again, or an elite offense again. He's got a bunch of different pieces. Todd Downing does as well, but it's clear. I mean, the main thing with Tim Kelly is the passing game has to be better. You assume Derrick Henry is going to be back to being Derrick Henry, but this passing game has to be better than it was last year for sure. They've got to find a way to get the tight end back involved. They've got to find a way to get more production than just one or two wide receivers. And they're going to need Traylon Burks and Robert Woods to step up and be the big-time players that they hope that they can be to take some of that pressure off of Ryan Tannehill. Because, look, for all the criticism Tannehill got last year, it wasn't all on him. It wasn't his best year, but that was in large part because of everything else that was going on around him. And so – when they say that they've got to be better around him, they do. They've got to be better around him. And some of that has to go with the play calling and the game planning and all that. And Tim Kelly was brought in specifically for that in the passing game. And I think there's reason to be excited given his track record, but also it's a wait and see deal. Maybe would have put any, any, I mean, obviously we have no way to, uh, reasonably prognosticate about these things but like let's say the offense gets substantially better because tim kelly's on the staff and there's probably going to be a great many reasons like you know not having to dress 91 players throughout the course of a season knock on wood if you're the titans or whatever um that would lead them to be if nothing else more stable and more consistent on a week-by-week basis but if they do substantially improve and we see an evolved modern version of titans offense does that put todd downing's job in jeopardy ironically enough well, listen, I think everything's in play, right? This is National Football League. You're hired to be fired. So certainly that is a possibility. Knowing Mike Vrabel, like I, like we think we know Mike Vrabel, I don't think he's that type of cat. I think he wants to make it work with Todd Downing, with Coach Kelly's help, if that makes any sense. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always a possibility. And, and, and you know, the politics sometimes dictate what you do with your staff. But uh, yeah, I... To answer your question, sure, anything's possible. But, you know, I think it's going to be more to what Steve said to where it's going to be an extra set of eyes for downing, an extra, you know, a guy to go over film with, a guy to study opposing defenses with, to know tendencies of what they like to do, what they don't like to do, how they like to attack, you know, coverages, that kind of thing. So I'm sure the hope is that it's just going to be a happy marriage between Kelly and downing. But, you know, if, if Rabel – or anybody else in the organization feels like, wow, you know, Kelly's made that much big of a difference. We may have to consider, you know, making him the OC and moving on. That's on the table. But uh, do I think it'll happen? My guess would be no. Steve, do you guys get to talk to Kelly for this piece you're running? No. (laughs) He's not been available. So it's just taken downing. And Robert Woods is very complimentary. He said that he actually talked to Brandon Cooks from last year when Cooks was in Houston and Cooks just raved 
about the concepts and some of the things that Kelly does. And so he said that's already been beneficial as they look. And he specifically pointed out things and ideas he has for himself. This is Woods talking and Austin Hooper, which if you're a Titans fan, you've got to be excited about that because those are the two big new pieces that are veterans that understand the league that he can get into those details right now about. But guys, as we're sitting here thinking about this, I also wonder, you know, I think there's some excitement about Kelly. But how much is it Kelly versus Robert Woods and Traylon Burks and Austin Hooper and the players that they brought in that have to be better? The players themselves have to be better than the players that were on the field last year. And then I flip to the defensive side of this is part of the reason that they're using this format of bringing him in as a passing game coordinator is what happened last year on the defense when they were so awful that they bring in Jim Schwartz as a senior consultant. They kind of reimagine things and they have much better success with that extra pair of eyes. But as we think about it, was it the extra pair of eyes of having Jim Schwartz in the room? Or was it the fact that Jeff Simmons developed into an absolutely dominant freak up front? Danico Autry was one of the best free agent signings in the league. Harold Landry had a career year on the outside. Kevin Byard was back to being an all pro. And you can go on and go on and go on down the list. The defensive talent last year was worlds better than it was the year before that led to all the changes. And, oh, by the way, I haven't seen Jim Schwartz anywhere recently. So what's it look like this fall? And, you know, if they take a step back, will it because there are extra eyes out of the room or will there be something? So all of this is very interesting, and I think we can dissect it many different ways. But when you look at the offense, it's got to be better. But is that going to be Todd Downing? Is it going to be Tim Kelly? Is it just simply going to be the guys on the field being better? And then what do you see on that defensive side as well this year? Uh, there are a lot of question marks with all of that. Yeah, no, well, I, I saw – I saw. go ahead, uh, JB. Well, I was just going to say, I think defensively, I think the fact that they smartened up and got and had and implemented a standalone DC was a big help as well. You know, you didn't have a, a coach trying to do double duty. You know, you had Shane Bowen – in charge of the defense, obviously with Rabel's input and influence. I think that was a big factor of it too, but sure. You had great years from Simmons. Bayer got back to his all pro form, which was much needed. You know, all the things that Steve mentioned, they got after the quarterback a lot better, but I think just, you know, it may be as simple as just having a standalone DC as opposed to what they tried to do in 2020 with Rabel and Bowen kind of splitting it. You mean to tell me that there's multiple layers to why things could be bad or good why why it's wrong to assign success or blame to one individual face even though that's the easiest thing in the world to do and you know i mean i i understand why why fans gravitate towards that and hell i mean it happens to us from time to time too you can get caught up in the moment and be like wow that guy really sucks at calling <laughs> plays and then not take into account that Jadavion Clowney is not playing and when they when he and Jeff Simmons were playing it looked like something kind of close to what we were getting this most recent season but of course the availability kind of wrecked all of it and then on the offensive side of the football it could just be as simple as availability of the players being improved because maybe they could have done something better or different last year um, but there's just so many different factors that go into this that make it so difficult to parse by just one grand sweeping statement or indictment of one person or one player or one group or whatever. Um, that does make this stuff kind of interesting to dissect. Now, I, I was of the belief that Shane Bowen was in an infinitely better position coming into last season than Todd Downing was because Shane Bowen's defense could not get worse. It was historically wretched. And, uh, and Todd Downing has, was taking over the best offense 
in the Titans era of football that we had seen for a great many reasons. And I think he's very cognizant of that because he was asked about the pressure that Tannehill was under um, earlier this week or yesterday when we spoke to him and he brought and he, you know, kind of laughed a little bit and said, well, he's not the only one who's been under considerable scrutiny this year. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no doubt about it. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, No, JB, you take no, no, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we are quick to lay blame to like one or two individuals in these types of situations. And let's face it, you know, Tannehill was not good in that in that playoff game against Cincinnati, and and neither you know, was at times during the season was was not good uh, in in terms of turning the ball over. They had that streak. I was it three straight games or three games where they had like nine turnovers in three weeks or whatever. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pressure on Todd Downing this year, especially with AJ Brown gone. You know, you got a lot, you know, you got all these new guys coming in. We mentioned Robert Woods. We mentioned Austin Hooper. And of course, you know, Traylon Burks, who, you know, needs to needs to obviously step his game up as well. So, yeah, you still got that beast in the backfield, but that beast is coming off the first major injury of his career and he's not getting any younger and he's still really good and still, you know, arguably the best in the league. But, you know, there's a lot that Todd Downing's going to have to navigate through this preseason to get everything up and running by opening day. It's a team game, and that includes the coaches. And, JB, another thing that I just thought of as you're going through that with Derrick Henry is you would like to lessen his load a little bit by having a more complete offense. But that comes back to Downing's offense and then the players like Tannehill and like Woods and Hooper and all those guys performing on the outside. Because if they struggle or the passing game looks like last year, then you've got to rely on Derrick Henry to carry the load maybe 400 times like they were before, because frankly, at the beginning of last year, they couldn't trust the passing game. So they just kept giving it to Henry because he was getting the job done. That's the situation they don't want to be. They're not going to be scared to hand them the ball, but you don't want to feel like that is your only offense. And at times that's been the crutch for the Titans is it's like, well, we know Henry will get the job done. And if you're trying to not just have a successful season from him this year, but prolong his years out because of how big of a part of this offense and how big of a part of this franchise he is, you want to stay away from that if at all possible. Yeah, nobody had more first down runs in football last year than Todd Downing's offense 299 times. Nobody was stuffed uh, behind the line of scrimmage more. Nobody was stopped at the line of scrimmage more than Todd Downing's offense with the ball carrier, whomever the ball carrier was. Second and seven plus as well. I ran the numbers yesterday when I was writing. Um, Second and seven, they ran it. Second and seven plus, so basically second and long. They're running it 79 times again, most in the league. They're getting stopped at the line of scrimmage the most times in the league and stopped behind the line the most times in football because teams are going to give them the four and a half, five yards on second and seven plus because, okay, we'll stop you on third and three because what are you going to do? You're going to throw the obvious pass to A.J. Brown and we're going to send six guys over to there in the area to make sure that it's defended. Um, Just to kind of wrap things up, I, uh, it's Julio Jones cap relief day. Happy, uh, Julio Jones cap relief day to all who celebrate across, uh, middle Tennessee and, uh, and wherever there are Titans fans. Um, I don't think they're going to do anything with it other than, you know, pay practice squad players and, uh, sign the rest of the rookie class. I think there's three guys still out there without contracts. I think that's injury pool money and, you know, wherever, wherever else they are. I don't think that you're going to see any kind of big June spending spree in the way that I think a lot of Titans fans want them to, JB. 
Yeah, you know, I kind of, I, I, I've thought for several weeks now that they would still go out and try to sign a veteran wide receiver, but that market is pretty much dried up. I, I think T.Y. Hilton's still floating out there. Maybe uh, I thought Will Fuller I and T.Y. Hilton are like the top names. Yeah, I thought maybe Jarvis Landry might be a, a you know, a, an option. But when he went home to New Orleans, that pretty much dried the market up. I agree with you. I don't. I don't see them bringing in anybody else until at least training camp starts. And, you know, if somebody gets hurt or something like that, like you said, you got to have that little nest egg saved away in case you got to sign someone or, or if someone goes down or whatever, you know, remember, you know, Jonathan Cyprian a few years ago goes down and they were able to bring in Kenny Vaccaro and, you know, he ended up being a starter for them and, and they paid him pretty well. So, yeah, I think they're just going to have that little money stockpiled away, uh, you know, in case of emergency break glass maybe, like I said, maybe a backup offensive lineman they'll bring in or, or, you know, a rotational guy on the interior on, on either offensive defensive lines. But as far as like skill players or anybody that we would hear of or, or know about, I, I don't see it happening at this point. Steve, yeah, can Josh it, Malone be a starting wide receiver or a role-playing wide receiver on the Tennessee Titans this year? I don't know about starting, but I certainly could see him make this team. He's got a, a different speed to him. And that's something that the Titans have struggled on the outside. He had a deep ball yesterday in the team period that was huge when the offense really didn't have a whole lot going. And that's the thing. If you have a guy that has a level of burst to him, you can have nothing going offensively and you can take a shot and maybe he makes a play. And now all of a sudden you got something going. You might have six points. And yeah. that's the type of thing Josh Malone has. Now, whether he can run the intermediate routes and consistently get open on the, you know, cause you're not just going to run a go, go ball every time you're on the field. Can he do all the other things? Is he willing to block and do that? I certainly haven't seen enough in two days of OTAs to know whether that's good enough to make this team, but he does have a burst to him that could provide an element in the passing game that might be kind of fun. And, and Mike Vrabel was complimentary about him when asked about it. And he's a guy that a lot of times when you ask a question like that, who poos it and says, oh, it's one play. It was a nice thing. But, you know, he's like everybody out here. He, he makes mistakes, too. And we, we all have to be better. And yesterday he took some time to point out that, no, he, he's done a good job. And yesterday in particular, we were struggling offensively. And he was one of the guys that made a play that allowed us to know essentially that in practice terms, it's a 60 minute game and you got to keep playing and come back at it. And so I thought that was telling that he would say that about Josh Malone. Steve Lehman, John Burton, both at News Channel 5, uh, kind enough to give us some of their time. Now, this podcast is going to run on Friday morning. Steve, is the Tim Kelly story going to be available digitally as well as on uh, News Channel 5 this evening? Oh, man. Uh, I I'm not sure, honestly, but now that you've just prompted it, yes, I'll make sure that it, it goes digital. That's how you do it. Check out their uh, website and YouTube channel for more good stuff and more good content being produced. Thank you, boys. My Thank pleasure. You.